Hello and welcome back to the To The Heights podcast, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network, if you're so official to say that. Um, my name is Olivia Colombo. I am a young Catholic changemaker, and I am so excited to be embarking on this project of sharing stories of the young people of the Catholic Church and those who minister to them. Our title, To The Heights, is a catchphrase from Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, who gets a little shout out later in this episode. Um, but he was a young Italian Catholic um, who ministered to the poor and the vulnerable in his community. And he had the catchphrase, verso lealto, which means to the heights, to remind him and to remind us now to keep on reaching to the heights and glorifying God in our everyday lives in our own communities. Today's guest is someone who certainly embodies that mentality of to the heights. His name is Mike Drejos. He's been a good friend and a mentor for many years now. Um, and I'm so excited to be sharing a little bit of his story and a lot about Discipleship Week, which is a teen retreat for high schoolers in the Archdiocese of Boston that has been touched upon and kind of danced around on this podcast on many, many episodes. Um, it started in 2016 as a year-long retreat at Magdalen College in Warner, New Hampshire. Um, it is where I met two of my best friends, Sarah Ryan, who's been on this podcast, and Kathleen McCarthy, who has been on um, Alexis Grace's podcast, Paper Cranes, which is also part of the Grexley Podcast Network. She actually, I believe, talks about some beautiful stories from Discipleship Week, but it was a life-changing experience for me, and I know that it has been for so many other um, teens. It started my first year in 2016. I went, and then I continued. I was in year one, year two, and then track 2S, or year three of the retreat. Um, we'll talk about the years a little bit later, but I went for all three years of the retreat. And then last year when I was in its fourth year, I served on the team as a small group leader, um, which was a very interesting experience to go through being part of this retreat as it grew to being on the flip side and working on the team. It was an awesome experience to sit down and talk with Mike about kind of the nuts and bolts and the logistics of Discipleship Week, how it started, um, what it was based off of, what came before it, um, and just all of the kind of practical things that we need to think about going into a retreat and things that we need to talk about and share with other people so that if they have some sort of similar program or some dream to start something, they can pick up little tips. I know that last episode I had on Faith Payson, um, who's one of my best friends at Boston College, and she grew up in a life teen program in Virginia, um, not in the Archdiocese of Boston. And we talked about practical tips of things that we liked and didn't like and things that worked in our high school youth ministry experiences that helped us keep the faith in college. So I think it's really important to talk about these practical things, um, the logistics, um, schedules, what games worked, what didn't work, why they worked, what talks worked, how you pick the team for a retreat, how you pick the teens, who you invite, um, because that isn't Discipleship Week isn't just open to anyone. Um, I mean, it is, but also it's supposed to be the leaders in a community. So um, without further ado, that was a lot. Um, but I'm so excited for you guys to hear all about um, Discipleship Week, hear a little bit about Mike, how it started, um, and just the journey of Discipleship Week in this great program that truly has changed my life and I know has changed the life of so many other people's. So um, that was not a sentence. So many other people's people's lives. Um <laughs> All right, without further ado, I'm going to stop talking, but um, I hope you enjoy the story of Mike and of Discipleship Week and it, that it inspires you to keep on reaching to the heights. All 
right, we are here in the Catholic TV studio in Watertown, and I am so excited to have today's guest with us. Would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. So my name is Mike Drehouse, and I'm excited to be here as well. Yeah. Um, so Mike and I met in 2016, yes. right? Yeah. Yep. Um, and the whole point of today's episode is we're going to be talking about something that Mike was actually on our live show earlier this morning talking about, which is Discipleship Week, um, which... I don't know how many times it's been mentioned on this podcast. I feel like it's something – there are a few things on this podcast that we just, like, dance around okay. a little bit because I've had, like – Sarah Ryan has been on the podcast, which uh -huh. she's been at Discipleship Week since the very beginning. Um, Michaela Hagar, yep. youth minister who brings a ton of kids. Yep. Father Snisha has been on it. Yep. Um, Gavin and Max, um, oh, cool. two other <laughs> resurrection kids. So, like, we've had, like, some of the key Discipleship Week, like, players on the, like, attendant side. Okay. Um, but this will be interesting to get kind of more of, like, your side and the planning and, yeah, like, yeah. how it started because... Behind the curtain. Yeah, yeah. Like, we have the impact <laughs> that the retreat has had, but, like, not necessarily, like, how it started and cool. stuff like that. But first, I kind of want to talk to you about... Um, like the whole point of this podcast in particular is to talk about people who have interesting stories and young Catholics who are doing good things in the world. Okay. Um, so I'd like to get to know you a little bit better, um, maybe where you went to college, um, what you studied, um, how you ended up in your current job. Sure. That sort of, yeah, they're all tied together. Yeah. So <laughs> I grew up in Worcester, actually, so not quite in the Boston area, but local enough. And I grew up there. Um, well, important to my story is when I went to um, – grade school, I was like, whatever, my neighborhood grade school. But mm -hmm. then in middle school, my parents decided to pull me out and put me into Catholic school. Yeah. Um, and then ironically, that's where I lost my faith. Oh. <laughs> um, not because of the school or yeah. anything, because I was an angsty teenager and just other reasons. But yeah, I kind of like fell away from the faith and not just like in a lazy, like stopped practicing because it was mm -hmm. hard kind of thing, like actively would, what I would have called myself an atheist. But um yeah, just like I didn't believe God was really there. That was a really big thing. Like I didn't think there was anything else on the other side of my prayers yeah. and like um, whatever, just lived accordingly. So then when I graduated high school, I went to state school. I went to UMass Lowell. And um, for me, that was like very good. I'm done. I don't have to yeah. like worry about my parents nagging me to get to mass. And like I'm just I can live my life how I want to live. So I got in to UMass Lowell because of this particular program they have uh, for sound recording technology, which I was very excited about. It, but it's like a double, double um, discipline major. So it's a music major and an engineering major. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was awesome. I was super excited about it, but I uh, wasn't quite ready for the intensity that yeah. this program was. <laughs> so I'm a drummer. And so I don't, I'm not great, super strong on the music level, yeah. uh, as far as like music theory and mm -hmm. like sight singing and things like yeah. that. So I struggled a little bit in that area. But, and also <laughs> on the uh, engineering side of things, math wasn't yeah. necessarily my strong suit mm -hmm. either. So I ended up changing majors. Um, my soft more year and okay. I was undeclared for a while and um yeah I, I really I took some classes to see what I was interested in and I kind of landed on sociology mm. which is like the study of people and societies and yeah um, social organization things like that which was intriguing I, I really liked it and I was kind of on track to go to grad school for for that for social research um but I didn't really I was I wouldn't say I was passionate yeah. about that yeah um, but so I, I tell you all that to set up how I ended up actually going to grad school to study yeah. theology yeah. <laughs> because so in the midst of all of that, um, I met this girl 
who was in a lot of my classes. So I said, like, UMass Lowell is very techie school, right? Lots of engineering yeah. majors and things like that. I ended up as a sociology major, one of the humanities mm-hmm. majors. There's not many of us there. So you kind of know everyone that is in your area of yeah. discipline. So um, there was one of those girls that was in, uh, like, a lot of my classes. We worked on projects together, stuff like that. And she invited me to come hear her sing at this thing, right? And that's all she <laughs> told me. So I was like, okay. I like, I'd known her for a couple of years now and she was, I didn't know that she sung and I was like, okay, cool. I'll come hear you. And she's like, yeah, be here. It's at seven o'clock. So I show up, this is on like a Tuesday night, um, UMass little random room on campus. Right. And I show up and I thought it was going to be like a talent show yeah. or like, like, I don't know concert. her friends doing karaoke yeah. or a concert. Right. And, um, it's this like, christian group that meets every every tuesday <laughs> um and they do they have this band that plays and she was singing she was like one of three singers but they had like a drummer and electric guitar and bass and all this stuff um and then this guy so i'm like okay this is kind of weird but all the people there's, there's like 40 or 50 kids in here right so i'm like what is this what's, yeah. what's going on and they're singing these like songs about jesus and stuff and i'm like i've never heard any of these songs before i'm like how do they know these songs and they're really into it and i'm like what is this but um and then this guy gets up afterwards and he basically leads like a bible study right and he kind of gives this sermon about later i find out he's like a baptist minister and his full-time job is like campus ministry here at umass lowell and he started this thing called the christian christian student fellowship and that's what I walked yeah. into <laughs> that Tuesday night. Um, but it was it really like uh, challenged my worldview, I guess, yeah. because so like in high school, I never encountered youth ministry or anything like that on a dynamic level. Um, so I never had an experience of my peers that like actually believed in Jesus and that he like rose from the dead and stuff like that, um, actually believed that he was God number one, number two, lived accordingly. And number three, we're happy about that. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) So like in in my worldview, those three things didn't go together. You went to church because you were either old and you didn't know anything different or you were dragged there, coerced there for some reason. um, Or you had some ulterior motive. Like, like I know one of my friends like tried to go to some youth group things at his church to get a girl that he was interested to (laughs) to go with him, right? So he's some ulterior motive. But anyway, these kids didn't have that. And they were like very smart. Like there were some real engineering. There was like grad school engineering majors in there that I knew they were a lot like smarter than me. And they believed in Jesus, which again, those were two things in my worldview that didn't go together. I thought like, you know... um, when you kind of wise up and realize those old fairy tales are just to make you feel nice, but they're not real. Um, that's like the real world. And that's what being an adult is. And my wise, you know, 13 year old (laughs) self had discovered that earlier than most, but I figured everyone would kind of get there. Um, but now I'm seeing like very smart people that are doing that. Um, they're not coerced there. They actually believe it and they're happy about it. And they seem to be more happy than me and my friends who are Mm -hmm. like, living however we want right and like living according to what we think is best and like so that for me was why 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 are they more happy when we are you know living as what I thought would make me happy and it's not making me as apparently happy as these people are so 
I was very curious and I kept coming around to these things like pretty much every week <laughs> I'd be there and I'd kind of sit in the back and try to put my hood up and make no one notice me and I'd leave early so no one would try to talk to me and like convert me or yeah. whatever. Um, but eventually the guy noticed that I was coming and he caught me on my way out one time. I don't know. I'm not like sneaking out, but you know, he, he made a point to talk yeah. to me and um, yeah, he, he ended up meeting with me. He offered to like meet with me over lunch very informally he's just like yeah we can talk about stuff and just notice that you've been coming around and you're probably curious about what's going on here i'd love to you know explain and answer your questions or whatever so i started doing that for, for the better part of the year um the abbreviated version of this i could <laughs> spend a lot of time here yeah. but the abbreviated version is he kind of walked me through a presentation of who jesus is what he said and what that means for me and that took like it took the better part of a year, but, um, you know, a lot of questioning and things and things I had to work through. But um, he got me to, to really start praying about that stuff and yeah. helped lead me to a place where I could see that Christ is real, that there is someone on the other end of my prayers and have an experience of interacting with that divine reality that's there. Um, and that that same divine reality wants a relationship with me. Um yeah, so I, I kind of credit his his ministry to that, which was really beautiful. And then um, at the end of that, I kind of had this experience on a retreat where I kind of made the decision, like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go all in with this stuff. And it's not to say I was a hundred percent sure this yeah. is this is right and this is real. And um, I was pretty sure it was real, but at the time, I was kind of um, I didn't know Pascal's wager at that point, but in hindsight, after mm -hmm. I learned Pascal's wager, I was like, oh, I did that. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. so, so for the, anyone who doesn't know what Pascal's wager is, it's basically like you have a, a fundamental choice to make. Do you believe and live as if God is real or believe and live as if he's not? And then, so that's kind of two options. And then there's two options for reality. Either God is real or he's not. So there's, he kind of sets up this matrix of four things. So, if you believe he's real and he is real, great, you win. Yeah. If you believe he and live as if he's real and he's not real, okay, you kind of like lived pointlessly for your life, but now you don't exist anymore, so it doesn't really matter anyway. And nothing really matters. Yeah. <laughs> so so you don't really win, but you don't really lose either. Um, or you live as if he's not real and he is, you lose. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't say it like that, but, um, but you know, like, yeah. Uh, and then, or you live as if he's not real and he's not and okay, you were mediocrely happy for your life and now you don't exist anymore. So, yeah. um, I kind of did that. I was like, okay, it seems like this would be the better option to weigh in on yeah. and I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to mm -hmm. go all in and see what I get out of it. And there was really no turning back after that. No. Yeah. 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 And then, so through that though, since I, I mentioned that he was, um, a Baptist minister, right? And so I was mm. raised Catholic. Yes. Uh, so for me, I'm like, hmm, yeah. <laughs> what do I do now? Like, do I get rebaptized? Or like, I was baptized as an yeah. infant, right? So I'm like, well, now that I've made this decision, do I, what, what, how do I formally enter this community, right? So he had the Christian Student Fellowship on campus. I knew he was part of the Baptist. Um, denomination and I was part of the Catholics so I didn't know like what do I need to fix something or whatever yeah. so I went through this time of trying to figure out well what do I do now which led me to the question of did Jesus start a church or not uh, did he just kind of um, send people 
I, I kind of knew they all believed that he gave his Holy Spirit to his followers, but I didn't know if, like, does that mean that incorporated into, like, a formal human institution, like yeah. the Catholic Church, or is that just kind of this, like, non-denominational group of believers like I encounter at the Christian, Christian Student Fellowship that are all kind of led by the same spirit, but not formally united on a human level. Um, and I, I really didn't answer that question. I couldn't, I didn't have the tools to answer that question. And so I just started exploring and asking people. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I met this priest. I started to go to like Catholic things on campus and they were good. They were okay. And, but they were very small. It was like maybe four or five kids mm-hmm. that were involved in that as opposed to the 40 or 50 yeah. that were involved in the other things. So just a different, very different experience. But I met this priest who would come and say mass and he kind of, um, guided me towards some Catholic theologians that I was, um, he said, he thinks he's like, you, you need to read some of this. Like St. Thomas Aquinas is one of the most important ones that he pointed me towards. And, um, then I started getting into theology and all those questions (laughs) and in particular the Eucharist. Yeah. So I started asking him about the Eucharist and he's like, you know what, you should come to adoration. We're going to have a holy hour. And those were very foreign terms to me. I didn't know what he was talking about. I was like, <laughs> what is that? I know what the Eucharist is. I mean, I grew up Catholic. I've heard yeah. that term before. I know at Mass and, and what they believe about the Eucharist. But um, adoration was something I'd never encountered before, or at least I didn't know what it was called anyway. And um, anyway, so I wasn't sure if I believed in the real presence in the Eucharist. So I didn't really want to go to adoration because if like I didn't want to be like kneeling and trying to pray to a piece of bread right Mm. like for me at this point I was already like kind of committed to Jesus and I didn't want to be I was concerned about like idol worship and things like that so I didn't want to do that but he's like don't worry about it come if you find it weird just leave no one's going to say anything I won't care won't no one's going to be offended I was like okay fine and um there's not really a way to describe what I experienced other than just I kind of knew in a, in a way that was beyond, like, I didn't have a vision. I didn't hear a word. I didn't, like, see anything weird. But um, just kind of felt a presence that the same person who I had been interacting with through my prayer life and who I had given my life to at this retreat was somehow present in the Eucharist there. Um, and that was it for me. I knew if Jesus was in the Eucharist and that's unique to the Catholic Church that I had to follow Jesus within the context of the Catholic Church. So I started diving into more Catholic theologians and decided this is where my heart is. This is what I'm passionate about. So I kind of gave up to come back to my (laughs) disciplines. (laughs) I kind of gave up on my um, plans to go to grad school for sociology and found this crazy school in Ohio that offers Mm -hmm. a master's in theology where you don't have to take any theology for undergrad (laughs) and seems to be very vibrant and alive. And all the teens, I mean, all the um, college kids who go there from their website and stuff seem to be similar to what I experienced at this Christian student fellowship. So I was like, wow, if there's any place in the world where these two realities would come together, right? Like Jesus present in the Eucharist in the context of the Catholic church, but with this amazing community of peers that I've found in the Christian student fellowship that I've never found in the Catholic church. um, If, if, if this is the way for me to go, I want to find it here. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
So I applied. This is Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. And uh, and I applied. And that's the only place I applied to. <laughs> and my backup plan, yeah. if I didn't get in, was to, like, join the military. So I really didn't have much else going for me. But um, thank God I got in. Yeah. And uh, I spent the next three years uh, immersed in Catholic culture at Steubenville and studying the truths mm-hmm. of the faith and learning the habits of the life of a disciple and all that stuff. And it was just a super blessed time. That's where I met my wife. Um, and yeah, it was awesome. So, and then after that, I got a job in a parish in Maine and, um, through a connection I made through there, ended up uh, working for the archdiocese in Boston. Okay. So the archdiocese was not your first job. It was not my first job. No, I was, I worked at a parish in, in, um, so it's four towns in Maine. One, oh, wow. <laughs> one parish was Biddeford, Saco, Old Orchard Beach, and Lyman, Maine. Um, yeah, and I worked there as like a assistant director of faith formations. I mostly uh-huh. focused on the youth ministry program and the RCIA program. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. And then what's your official job title now? Right now, <laughs> I'm a, an evangelization consultant. So that is very official a, sounding. Yeah, very official sounding, <laughs> um, very vague. Um, but what that means, so when I first started working for Boston, my official title was coordinator for youth and young adult faith formation. Mm-hmm. And that's when our office was structured a little differently than we had the, the lifelong faith formation office. And then there was kind of point people for different age groups. So we had like the uh, coordinator for children's faith formation, coordinator for youth and young adult faith formation, which was me and uh, my colleague, Kathy Stebbins. Mm-hmm. And then um, the coordinator for adult faith formation, we were all under the director for Faith formation, okay. uh, but then they merged that group with um, with the group that had been primarily working with the Disciples and in Mission Initiative, yeah. which I don't mm-hmm. know, maybe I can explain what yeah. that is more. Yeah. But um, basically, they would do workshops and trainings and um, plan writing with collaboratives which I know I'm throwing a lot of terms out there now. But anyway, there was this other team that did workshops and trainings and pl- strategic plan writing with groups of parishes, um, and they merged those two teams. So now we are the same, and they call mm-hmm. us evangelization consultants. So I, we do the workshops, we do the uh, the trainings and the plan writing sessions, and we also are the go-to people for um, parish-based faith formation support. So basically what I do on the faith formation side is support um, ministers and ministries of local parishes uh, in, in any kind of faith formation. So I mean, what I mean by that is like religious ed, um, vacation Bible school, youth ministry stuff that's going on, confirmation prep, any kind of sacramental prep, any kind of adult Bible studies or parish missions, any kind of adult faith formation activities that are going on. Um, we are there as kind of an in-house consultant for mm-hmm. parishes. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and Kelsey and I were just talking um, in here, kind of brainstorming what we were going to talk about. Um, and Discipleship Week fits into the Disciples in Mission model, right? Yes. Like it's an extension of. Right? Very much so. Yeah. It's more like a translation of it's. Um, so I mentioned Disciples in Mission was the overall pastoral plan for the Archdiocese of Boston now. And it involves um, kind of the, the mechanical aspect is the creating what we call collaboratives, which is one, two, or three parishes that come together and share a pastor. They come together around, they usually share a number of staff yeah. and um, um, they they come together around a common vision for how we're going to move forward in evangelization. How are we going to move forward in our mission as parishes um, united? 
Mm -hmm. And what can we share and what can we do together and what do we need to maintain unique and distinct about our different parishes? Every collaborative has to kind of navigate that conversation on their own. Um, but anyway, that's that's kind of the, the mechanical aspect of Disciples and Mission. But the, the idea behind it, really the driving force is how do we um, how do we focus on being intentional disciples of Jesus and how do we intentionally share that gospel with others and invite other people into that kind of a relationship. And we need to make that a part of Catholic culture. Like if that just has to be part of our future. So, so the workshops that were developed that, that I said, I mentioned our team does what the most important one in terms of these ideas is called forming disciples and mission. And we talk about this, we talk about what is evangelization and what is the new evangelization. Um, what does this term discipleship mean? Like, what does it look like to live as a disciple of Jesus? And then we start looking at tools for sharing that. So kind of the bridge between that is sharing your own personal witness testimony. Like your story is powerful and can connect with people and impact other people's lives. Uh, And we should really intentionally think about how we can share that story and what elements do we want to share and what's really personal that you might just be between you and God, but what might be beneficial for the body of Christ as at a whole. Um, and then we look at more practical things like knowing um, some terminology to talk about everyone's spiritual journey. Everyone kind of has their own way to talk about, oh yeah, like like uh, he's, he's really new. He's not quite on fire yet. He's kind of lukewarm or like he's all in, but she's not quite all in. We kind of have these ways of distinguishing levels of uh, practicing the faith, I guess yeah. you could say, yeah. right? But um, one of the sessions in our workshop kind of lays out a common terminology to talk about that. And it comes from, largely it comes from uh, Sherry Waddell's book, Forming Intentional Disciples. And she kind of lays out what she calls thresholds of conversion, mm-hmm. right? So um, kind of talks about common markers along the way of that journey that we can point to, like First, you have to establish trust, and then you have to encourage curiosity, hopefully leading someone to a place of personal openness and then um, active seeking on their part. And that all has to happen before some kind of real life-changing conversion experience can happen. So um, we, try to, we try to offer that as a tool for people to um, accompany others on, along this journey and know what the next step is for them. So they're not trying to take them from A to Z. They're trying to take them from A to B to C to D and so yeah. forth. You know, um, anyway, and so that – and this is a long-winded way to say that <laughs> basically Discipleship Week is translating that content um, – into a language that's going to be receptible uh, to teenagers, right? Yeah. And and that has that took the shape of a week long event where we kind of break that stuff down and spend a lot of time on on particular aspects of that, and mix that all in with like a summer camp type vibe of yeah. activities and fun social things. And also, there's kind of obviously there's unique things that that um, teenagers need in the life of discipleship than adults, but in particular. Um, a sense of community with mm-hmm. each other, with peers. Like yeah. I talked about how that was so important for me. I'm not the only one that that's mm-hmm. important for, right? So um, we try to foster uh, relationship building as much as we can too. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So I'm trying to think of like a place <laughs> to start with Discipleship Week. Yeah. But there's like so many, so many places we could start. But I guess maybe just like the logistics. So it started in 2016. Yep. Um it's going into its fifth year, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. This year. Um, 
do we want to put a plug in right here for how people can sign up if this sure, is interesting? Sure, yeah. Go to yeah. uh, com slash discipleship week or just go to disciplesinmission.com. There's a big banner on the homepage that you can click. Um, that we have a bunch of information on the website about the logistics and all the details of the week and um, how to contact me or our team for more information to ask questions. We're more than happy to do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Solid. So it's almost five years old. Um, it started in 2016. It's the last week of June. Yes. With 40 kids. So kind of the angle that I wanted to take. It was 40, right? It was a little under. I think we had like 37 or 38. Ah, Yeah. (laughs) Um, So like around there. You probably said 40 (laughs) to round up. Yeah. I I feel like I definitely heard the number 40. (laughs) But um, And then how many was last year? It was 100 and... No, no. We had last year we had, I don't have the exact number, but it was 70 something. 70. Okay. All right. Um, And how much did resurrection make? <laughs> um, again, I don't have the number, but yeah. it was probably like 30 something. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there has been a pretty solid growth over the years yeah. um, and some big changes that have happened, yes. like a huge location change and huge as in like distance apart from each oh, other. location. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Do you want to talk about the location sure. change? The location change. So yeah, we started at... Um, Northeast Catholic College, which was formerly Magdalen College. Which is now back to Magdalen. Oh, is it really? Yeah, it changed its name last year News to me. Okay. Well, I guess that's what happens when you move. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, we were up in, um, that was a great spot for us in the beginning years, I think. It was kind of up on the top of the mountain there and very, it's a small school. So like we were the people on campus, we took over the campus and it was very much like that place transformed into discipleship week Mm -hmm. while we were there. Um, and that was really, I think that was really key and important for the beginnings of Discipleship Week. Yeah. And um, it was good. It served its purpose for, for that time. But we unfortunately outgrew it. And, you know, we never wanted this to be a huge event, and we still don't. We intentionally want this to be small. But one of the reasons I said because we want to kind of help to foster real relationships. And the bigger you get, the the more superficial the connections that you make become. So think of something like Steubenville East where there's a yeah. couple thousand people. Yeah. You might really connect with one or two people from your parish or something like that or your group from your parish. You're probably not making a lot of meaningful connections with the Mm -hmm. other kids that you encounter that week. Um, But for Discipleship Week, it's first of all, it's a different audience, right? So Discipleship Week presumes, I think, on the part of the teenager that they at least have the desire on their own, like to kind of proactively, they want to go a little bit deeper in their faith. And that's going to cut your numbers just in and of itself. But also you're probably not going to have a ton of kids from, you know, resurrection might be the exception to this, but you're probably not going to have a ton of kids from one parish that are going to be like that. So we wanted to provide an encounter and an opportunity for those kind of kids who might be isolated within Mm -hmm. their parish with like one, two, or maybe no other peers that they have that are kind of um, looking to do the same thing with their faith and connect them with other people in the archdiocese and being local, you can kind of stay, you can attest to yeah, this, you can stay sure. connected yeah. to those people. Right. Um, so yeah, it, it was good. And, and we, we definitely don't have a vision for growing this to a massive event. Okay. Um, yeah. We intentionally want to keep this small, but that being said, uh, we did want to grow beyond 40 for the, to serve the parishes of the archdiocese. Mm-hmm. And we did want to grow it a little bigger than that. And uh, assumption college ended up providing, a good venue for us to grow a little more where our cap space up there is probably closer to like 150 or something, okay. which we probably will never hit, yeah. but um, we'd like to be able to go closer to a hundred. 
okay. closer to 100 than 40. So, yeah. 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 Um, and I remember this is like way back in 2016. Remember hearing that there was like a limit. I don't, I think St. Mary's might have broke it, uh, but a limit per like parish. It was like yeah. one to three kids per parish or per school. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that was our vision because of what I just said. Our, our initial vision was to have a limited number per parish. And that's what we did put that out there because yeah. that was kind of how we envisioned this thing mm-hmm. happening. But um, since we weren't selling out, we decided to, to yeah. um, do that on a case by case basis. And um, another reason we won't, we put that limit out there was because so, so we wanted people to understand this is not supposed to be a big wide net invitation, no. like put up yeah. the poster and invite all your kids. Um, we wanted it to be very intentional. Like I want you to invite specific teens mm-hmm. by name that you think could benefit from this. Um, but there were a couple cases, a couple locations who were doing that. Like they, they had teens who really could benefit from this and they were inviting them by name. They just happened to have more than five of them. So we kind of had to have that conversation. Well, what do we do about yeah. this? Mm-hmm. And we decided to, uh, to let them come and we've kind of maintained that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that changes, this is something that Sarah and Kathleen and I have talked about. It changes it from like the wide net to more of, it's a leadership retreat. Yes. It's for the leaders in the faith for yes. those like two or three kids from a parish who are like already, which I think this makes something like Resurrection or St. Mary's like it is the same kids. There just so mm-hmm. happens to be more of them. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like Father and Michaela invite um, the kids on core by name. And right. like it's pretty much kids who are either going to be on core the next year or who already are on core and have some sort of like leadership position. Right. Um, but yeah. That changes the whole like purpose of the retreat. Sure. Yeah, yeah it definitely does. And St. Mary's was the same way. St. Mary's and Lynn with Andrea mm-hmm. it was the same way. She had, she was like picking out leaders and she was putting these kids who came to Discipleship Week into leadership roles afterwards. So it's like, okay, why, why would we say yeah, this? They yeah. happen to be outliers, right? So it kind of, um, it kind of still maintains that other communities tend to send one to five kids, no more than five kids. But um, yeah, we just emphasize that a little less now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so that's how that's how you find the kids. How did you pick the team for the retreat? Oh, great yeah. question. And great how has question. that changed since 2016 to now? <laughs> uh, man, these are really good questions. <laughs> um, so we started with the content first before we picked the team. Okay. So we knew we'd have we knew the basic structure of what we wanted to do. It was um, similar to something that had been done. There was two events that had kind of. Yeah, this was another one of my questions. Where did it come from? Where did it come from? Okay, yeah. So this is all tied together with the Mm -hmm. team. So it came from really, um, uh, it was inspired, let's say, it was inspired by two previous events. One in Maine that myself and um, my boss, Michael Levine, um, had experience with. Michael actually started that event in Maine. And I went as like a youth minister and was on the team for that event in Maine. And then um, one that was here in Boston that Father Matt Williams ran. It was a witness to truth, which was a similar. Both of them were kind of similar. I don't want they weren't the same thing at all, Um, but a similar week long type format for high school teens that focused on discipleship and building skills for leadership, essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, they did it in different ways, but. Those two events kind of became like our our inspiration for whatever Discipleship Week was going to become. And we kind of drew from both of those things. So we had like a committee that got together and kind of looked at what did New Evangelization Week do? What did um, Witness to Truth do? And 
how do we um, kind of use the best of both of those things, but get the content from Disciples and Mission mm-hmm. to teenagers in Boston, right? So it was the content from Disciples and Mission using kind of the format and structure from these other two similar events that had similar structures um, to create Discipleship Week. So we ended up with a rough outline of track one for Discipleship mm-hmm. Week, and we started thinking about um, what talks are we going to do, right? When it comes down to the nuts and bolts, yeah. it's like, okay, what subjects are we going to hit? When you talk mm-hmm. about what does it look like to live as a disciple, there's a million different aspects yeah. of discipleship yep. that you can focus on. So it was the job of this committee to kind of narrow it down to something that we could uh, reasonably do in three days, essentially, because it's a five-day um, event, but really like the first night is not much content and the last day is not yeah. much content. So it's essentially fitting everything into three days worth of stuff. Um, and you don't want to burn out the participants and things like that. Yeah. So, yeah. so, uh, it's really hard. It, mm-hmm. We had a lot, a lot of long meetings about what's going to be in there, what's not. And it changed, right? Like we, that first year was kind of our pilot, mm-hmm. <laughs> our yeah. pilot year. You were our great Guinea pigs <laughs> and, um, we changed some of the sessions after that first year and have tweaked every year we've tweaked at least. And um, so basically, though, we, we narrowed it down to the topics that we wanted to cover. And then we started thinking about who do we know that would be really gifted in communicating this to a teenage audience mm-hmm. and inviting them accordingly. And whoever said yes, great. If not, we kind of we had a list of backups for for people if they couldn't make it to. So we invited we tried to invite a lot of people from um that work at the pastoral center yeah one because uh, we had a lot of good people that were there that we could draw upon but also logistically it was easy for them to just like you call that a week of work and get there right as opposed to inviting people from parishes and schools who might have other jobs Mm -hmm. and would be harder for them to commit like a whole week to be um to be on this event uh, but we we also wanted to have that too, so we don't want it to be exclusively from from the pastoral center. So we tried to we tried to walk the the line of that, and we still we change where that line is. We've in recent years leaned more on people from the pastoral center. We've yeah. just gone outside of our team and and tried to include people from our wider secretariat. It's called yeah. <laughs> so it's just kind of one one level up in the organization chart. Um, yeah. Yeah, because it it is so hard for parish leaders and mm-hmm. stuff to get there um, for the yeah. whole week. And especially for, like, meetings ahead of time, which yeah. I think is another important thing about, like, right. creating this team is to meet. Yes. Uh, what do we meet, like, a few times. Yeah, we have, two, we have two in-person meetings leading up to Discipleship mm-hmm. Week just for the team, right? So yeah. that would be – we have a couple different roles on the team, but we have kind of our admin team with yeah. – this is all teams within the team. <laughs> but we have, like, our – admin team then we have like our group of presenters and those are largely their role is to just facilitate two or three usually three of the sessions during the week so they're they're probably there for most if not the whole week um but their their sole job or said their their sole responsibility for the week is to really do those three sessions well and like really plan them out and be ready for them, be prepared for them, set up before, break down after, all that stuff. They do a lot of work before Discipleship Week to think all that stuff out and then run it by um, me and Patrick and um, just so we can like 
make them as good as they can be and stuff like that. Anyway, so that's one role. And then the other major role on the team is that of a small group leader because this is a key element of Discipleship Week Mm -hmm. that it's not just listening to talks all week long, which it is. And we get a lot of good stuff from the talks, um, but there's there's built-in processing time in small groups um, and we need and adults to lead those conversations and kind of guide those discussions and things like that. So we find it very beneficial to have one person be assigned to a particular small group and walk with them through the whole week. So they encounter and experience all of the sessions with like six to eight kids. And they process that every time, every session, almost every single session has a small group, at least activity, if not discussion and activity and Mm -hmm. prayer or something like that. Um, So that, um, there's a team member who gets to know like six to eight teens really well and has like really deep conversations with those six to eight teens and is able to kind of minister to them throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And like that, that is definitely probably one of the most impactful like yeah. parts. And even, um, I don't know, like I think there's just proof in the fact that Sarah, Kathleen and I are like best friends and we were all in the same small group with Colin McBride. Oh, the there you year. go. Um, and we carried all the way through. Mm. Uh, do you want to talk about the tracks and how that happened? Like, did you yeah. ever intend for there to be tracks and how oh, are the yeah. tracks set up? Yeah, we, yeah. we definitely intended for, the, for there to be tracks okay. from the very beginning. Um, and that was part of that small group committee that's determining, like, what are we going to talk about? And there was a lot of debates. Should this be in track one? Should this be mm-hmm. in track two? Should this be track three? Should track three even be a thing? Should it be like two and a half or two <laughs> S <laughs> or three? And we're still having those yep. those debates now. And we actually think we're going to move. This is insider information. But we think we're going to move to calling it year one, year two, year three okay. to get away from the track language because the track two S tr- three thing is too yeah. confusing. So, But that's not this year. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> if you're listening, you have insider tips now. Yes. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so we always envision this being a, a multi-year thing because there's just no way to get it all in in one year yeah, well. And sure. the teens that show up for a second year are ready to go deeper than, mm-hmm. than they were on the first year and um, a third year even more so, right? Yeah. So so you can – you have a, a greater ability to go even deeper in the successful years. So like – you just ha- it's an opportunity we would we didn't want to waste so mm-hmm. um, yeah we definitely envisioned the tracks so basically if I could summarize what they are track one or year one is mostly about what is the gospel message like we talk about the good news of Jesus Christ all the time but what is the good news what is, what's so good about it what does it have to do with me so we break that down into like four different sessions just dedicated to that what is the good news what's the gospel and um, how do I respond to that? What does it mean? What does it look like to respond to that? And then we didn't want to just leave it in the theoretical, but there's some practical aspects of the life of discipleship. Like what's the difference between any kind of relationships and Christian relationships? Like as a disciple, your relationships with other people should look different. Well, how? Like, well, we kind of get into the the nuts and bolts of that a little bit and morality and the virtues. And, um, and track one ends with, or doesn't end with, but like kind of the summit of track one is crafting your own personal witness yeah. story, which yeah. is really the bridge into track two. So um, towards the end of the week for for the first year, you spend a long session reflecting on your own relationship with Jesus, what how are you going to share that with others? And then you practice sharing that with, with your other people, which I'm sure you yeah. can attest to. Oh, it was yeah. a very powerful experience mm-hmm. to hear that of your peers, right? To, yeah. 
well, for you to share it with your peers is powerful and transforming for you, but also to hear the seven or eight other members of your small group share their personal witness with you. Um, it's just a really cool session. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. And that's kind of the bridge into year two where we start to look more at evangelization and what does it mean to share this good news and how do we share this good news? What are some skills that we can do? And that journey that I talked about with the, the thresholds of conversion and stuff like that is language we get into and we kind of give that to, to the teenagers who come to help them understand where their peers might be at and what they can do to help their peers take the next step um, yeah. And then, so then year three, we start to look more intentionally at leadership because mm -hmm. like I said, it, they're, those teens are ready. Like they're, oh, yeah. they're ready yeah. to go into that stuff. And, um, and it's great to kind of build up. What does it mean to be a leader in the world? And what does it mean for me as a, a baptized Christian to have a call to lead other people to Jesus? And how do I do that? Well, so we talk about some practical things like communication skills and conflict management and, um, leadership development and things like that with the, with those teens. And that's fun. Yeah. That's yeah. a really special situation. And there's always like, I don't remember how many people were with me in track two S, but it was enough to be just one small group. Yes. Um, yeah. And that, that's a special thing to have yep. everyone like sitting around a table for all the sessions and all the discussions. Yeah. Yeah. No breaking up and like right. having different conversations. Right. You're all in it together mm -hmm. and you've known each other from the past two years at Discipleship yeah. Week. Yep. So there's at least some familiarity with someone you can, you're just ready to dive in as soon mm -hmm. as you get there. Like I thought I saw you guys do that. <laughs> like you were ready day one. Oh, and yeah. that's a big difference because the track year one kids, they show up, they have no idea what they're in for. Right. Yeah. So they're just like, deer in headlights a little bit when they get off, uh, when they get dropped off there, they're like, I don't know who I'm going to hang out with. Like, where's my room? Where am I going to be for these sessions? What do these sessions look like? Are the games actually fun? Um, <laughs> like, am I going to make friends? They have all these other concerns at the forefront of their mind. Track two kids have that a little, a lot less. And then the, the track three kids, you know, you've gone through it twice. Yeah. You know exactly what you're in for. You know, the kids that are there, you know, probably most of the team members that are there already. So True. like, yeah. <laughs> it's, you're ready to go from day one, mm -hmm. which is fun. Yeah. That's another good point. Like not only the relationships that I created with like Sarah and Kathleen, but with all of the team members um, and having known these like role models. And mm -hmm. for me, it was one of the first times that I saw like super vibrant, like, Catholic really? adults who were like really happy doing what they were doing. Yeah. Um, and so to build those relationships for four years uh, was really, really impactful. And to have like somewhat professional relationships with those people now, like I was just emailing Patrick the other day. He was helping me get linked up with Vivian Soper to oh, do yeah. <laughs> um, a social work project with her. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. It feeds cool right into leadership development. There you go. Yes. You're networking at yeah. the same time because yeah. it is cool. Like as an archdiocesan event, when we're pulling people from um, well, it's it's good to be hooked up with people at the pastoral center at the archdiocese, but also parish leaders and school leaders from around uh, the whole archdiocese. It, it, you're right; it's like practical networking yeah. while you're there. Yep. So yeah. <laughs> that's that cool. And we do try to like that's that's kind of like um, permission to play criteria for when we're considering who to invite to be on the team. You can't just be knowledgeable about whatever subject we want you to yeah. talk about. You yeah. have to be a joyful witness to mm -hmm. the gospel first and foremost. So like. If even yeah they said it's just a non-starter if you're not because yeah. it's so important and it's such an opportunity mm -hmm. yeah you have to be living it yep. and living it joyfully yeah yep. for sure um all right we only have a few minutes left okay. um there are so many i feel like oh no we could like well we could like write a book on discipleship week and like 
just there's so many like good tangible practical things like thinking about like the music and like mm. having Colin come and like music is such an important part sure. um, of the retreat. And it was also for me the first year, one of the first times that I had that interaction with like praise and worship music. Oh, okay. Um, which and think, it, that you're not the only one, like a yeah. lot of teens that's their yeah. first encounter with praise and worship music, yeah. any kind of contemporary Christian music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then also like on the flip side, you have like Tom, like yeah. teaching chant right. <laughs> and yeah. like, doing night prayer with us. And like, that was my first experience with that as well. And like, nice. I don't know, that just feeds in just so many other things. Like now at BC, like I taught myself how to play guitar and I lead a praise and worship holy hour every Sweet. week. Um, <laughs> and like, I don't know. I'm in the liturgical choir, and like now I know how to read chant. Like, cool. <laughs> thank you, Tom. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. A Catholic Church has a wonderful, beautiful diversity of spiritualities and and expressions of mm. prayer, and we try to give a little taste of that to to teens. You you can't do everything in one week, but we try to give little tastes of of some of the different mm-hmm. flavors yeah. of Catholicism. Yeah, that was actually I forget whether it was our first year or our second year. Um, but one of my favorite sessions, we broke up into like stations of types of prayer. Oh, yeah. I remember um, that. Yep. Yeah. And we had different team leaders. I remember Colin was definitely in the chapel talking about um, praying with music. Yep. I think we had Lexio Lexio over by like, like the campfire. Yeah. And we just rotated through. That was a really special. We had like a praying with art in and through yes. art. That was yep. one of them. Yeah. Yeah. That was a special session. I like that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I would be in trouble with some of my friends. Okay. I did not mention um the games oh yes, yes. All yeah right. which ones <laughs> ancient rome in particular oh rome um, all right and live action clue as well oh do you okay. want to talk about the importance of like having like a big like fun yeah, something like that something yeah. <laughs> a big fun something that's mm-hmm. the, that's the key so rome uh, ancient rome is a, a direct holdover from the um witness to truth they, yeah. they invented that game it was a, a guy named Stephen Colella who was here who invented this game for Witness to Truth. And it's like this super involved and intricate live action role <laughs> yep. play of of life in ancient Rome. And the basic premise is that everyone, all the teens would get assigned a character. And so that character has like a little costume and um, instructions for who they are. And some of them have more particular missions. Some of them are just like, you're a child. (laughs) You give them little toys and you got to follow your babysitter or whatever. Um, But anyway, the basic concept is that some people are Christians and some are not. And without giving away too much, the Christians are supposed to find each other and uh, see whatever happens. And then there's some people who are actively persecuting the Christians who have instructions to like find Christians and put them in jail. But really, it's up to the people to make all the decisions. So whatever happens in the game is the decisions of the, the characters. And we very, we give very minimal instructions. Yes. So like, <laughs> so you can get the jailers who decide to be corrupt jailers and take bribes <laughs> and just let people out for a certain price. And that adds a new element to the year or whatever. But um, it's really cool because uh, I don't know if you want to... You can. You yeah, can give I'll, away I'll give much. away the secrets. Yeah. Okay, so at the end, you a common experience is that um, you realize there was a lot more Christians than you thought, and the Christians, if they had found each other and had been more open about the fact that they were Christians, there was more of them than the Romans, and they could have had a, a much higher impact on the outcome of the game than they did just kind of running and hiding and being secretive and not telling anybody and. 
and so forth. Um, <laughs> but I would be remiss if I didn't mention the fact yep. that this only works if you have never played Rome before. Mm-hmm. So if you never played Rome before, that can be a profound thing. And like, I remember the first time I experienced it, I was like, wow, that was, that was really crazy. And I was at a gas station like a week later thinking about like, how many of these people pumping gas around me yeah. like are Christians? Mm-hmm. And like I, that thought would never occur to me. I just assumed that everyone is not Christian and that mm-hmm. I'm the only one, right? And it's just kind of this psychological thing that we have um, for whatever reason that is limiting on us. Mm-hmm. Anyway, if you already know that, playing for the second year is a little different and you know <laughs> you can make it whatever you want and you oh, kind of yes. know what other people's instructions are. So the second year, we tried to do this two years in a row and the second year failed miserably. Mm-hmm. The Christians were kind of... Um, <laughs> they, yeah, they were rambunctious. <laughs> the the wrong people were Christians and they realized that the amount of power that they had and they mm-hmm. ended up uh, assassinating Caesar. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it didn't quite have the same effect as the first year. No, yeah. So will you circle back to it like once everyone's like graduated? Yeah. So okay. we think every once every three years we'll, okay. we'll probably do Rome. So not this year, but probably next year we'll end up doing Rome again. Um, yeah. And our other option was live action Clue. We played that, I think, the third year after yep. post-Caesar being assassinated. Yes. After um, Caesar got assassinated, we we said, okay, we can't do Rome. What yeah. else can we do? It was the idea of one of our team members, Courtney, who said they, mm-hmm. they she, she um, played this game, this live action Clue game that was really fun. And we thought we could make it work with Saints. And, yeah. and it did. So it was kind of, a, again, a live action role play kind of thing where you get assigned a saint and you got to whatever. There was all the things yeah. that you have to do with um, live action clue and find out like <laughs> I think they were all martyrs. So I yes. think the way yep. we did it was you got to find out like who killed you where and with what weapon mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like that. Yep. And, and you had fun. to like take the character to like wherever to ask them a question. Right, and right, we right. We did it at right. night with glow sticks. Yes. That's also a reoccurring theme. Oh, glow sticks. Yes. yes. Yep. Um, <laughs> Don't play dodgeball in the dark. Glow sticks are the bane of Discipleship Week's (laughs) existence. We have, I think it was three or maybe even four years in a row that we tried to make some kind of night glow stick activity work. And this year we're giving up on it. (laughs) No more glow sticks because we tried dodgeball. That didn't work. Capture the flag was the first Capture the, oh, that's right. I fell in a hole. Yep. (laughs) Capture the flag didn't work because we were on a dark field with no other lightings. And yeah, and so that happens. We tried dodgeball after that. Also didn't work. Nope. The balls didn't light up enough. People got hit in the face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what did we try after that? Um, I don't remember. We tried something know. else, something glow stick, and it didn't – whatever it was didn't Oh, maybe work. that was the year we did Clue in the dark with glow sticks. Oh, was it? Okay, yeah. so that one so worked. That, yeah. We tried to revisit it last year and do um, kickball. Kick yeah. Also didn't work. In the dark. And there were so many mosquitoes work. and yep. – yeah. Yeah. Bad, bad news. So that was part of the learning curve of Assumption College. There's a yes. ton of mosquitoes at night and we mm-hmm. can't be outside. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so yeah. you learn. You learn things. Yeah. But other successful games in the middle of the day, bubble soccer. Which Always was a hit. In addition from Resurrection, bringing yep. up their bubble soccer. The Always first year they brought it, I actually, I don't know if I told, well, you might have. I sat on the bubble soccer balls for like five hours driving from Hingham. Nope. Didn't know yep. that. <laughs> we got stuck in traffic. And oh, no. They were in the back of the van. And I sat on them, on them for okay. five hours Fun. with um, Ariana. 
fun. She was sitting on a cooler on top of the bubble soccer. Can't imagine. And a bunch a of them popped. Way. Oh, yep. really? Surprisingly, oh. when you have people sit on them yeah. for five hours, that they popped. <laughs> um, so we we patched them with duct tape. Yeah. Before we played, but that In was the good. Early years, there was a really competitive flag football game yes. that would happen every yeah. day, but that got a little too competitive. And then, and like we, Father we Matt stopped. like broke one of his yes. fingers. Yeah. Yeah, that, <laughs> yep. That happened. <laughs> that happens. Yep. That was we, always a big thing. I think thing. we had a teen injury too. I don't mm-hmm. remember what it was. Nothing yeah. too serious, but serious enough that it was like, okay, this is getting a little yeah. too crazy. Um, yeah. That, yeah, soccer eventually. I don't know. All good things. I, I do remember like the first afternoon, the games were always like very good and very good as icebreakers, like the yep. um, volleyball with like the balloon. Oh, like, yeah. You use like bed sheets to like right. toss the balloons over the net. Yeah. Um, yeah. That yeah, we try good. to have the first day be more, um, like you said, icebreakery, mm-hmm. so that there's there is a good amount of teens that don't know anyone or very few people yeah, there, I didn't know and anyone. it's like right, so yeah. it's it's gonna be you're not gonna have free time, go play. It's kind mm-hmm. of like awkward, so we try to have more guided and directed games on that first day, mm-hmm. and then ease into the week to, where by the last day it's kind of like okay, you can go play basketball here, you can play whatever bubble soccer here. There's volleyball here. We always have some kind of like inside chill activity, activity yeah. going on <laughs> for the non um, active types that would just rather sit inside and play board games and that's mm-hmm. always a fun alternative too or if it's super hot and you need air conditioning yes. right so yep. yeah yeah and that's always that was like the hour after lunch right it was a full hour we usually it? have like an hour and a half okay. after lunch yeah yeah With yeah just free time and that was good especially like i don't know that shifts it from like a conference where it's just yep. like go all the time to like oh yeah you need that break can you imagine years. doing so our morning is like <laughs> breakfast morning prayer which is a good kind of peaceful personal time but then you jump into right into two sessions back to back then you have mass then you have lunch and if we tried to go into yeah. like afternoon sessions right after that adults included would just mm-hmm. be checked out like it's too much you need a big good substantial fun break in the middle of that so it works yeah Yep. All right. I think we have to wrap up, but there is something that we do on this podcast that we're going to do right now. So we have Catholic quick questions that we do at the end to get to know our guests a little bit better. Um, And some of them have, it's an adventure. It it is a staple of the To the Heights podcast. Let's do it. All right. Um, So your first question is, what's your favorite animal? Not very Catholic, but it could be if you wanted it to be. Hmm. Any restrictions? No, absolutely no. All right. Um, A bear. A bear. Yeah. Does that have any type? No. <laughs> no, I just like bears. My, I have three young boys, and they're very into animals, mm. and I just like bears. They're big. I don't know. They have a good roar. They're mm-hmm. also actually dangerous, not just a good roar, um, but they're, like, soft, and mm. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I like yeah. bears. They're curious. I like bears. I feel like they're pretty smart. Mm-hmm. That's it. Fair. Fair answer. Um, the first discipleship week, so, like, we got there. Oh, I yeah. only knew Father Matt. Um, I very quickly met Andrea and like met other people. And then we went into like the back room that you guys like set up Roman and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like you guys played room. the, um, what was it? Like Amer- American, I don't, like America's Got Talent. Like one of those. Oh, what did you guys Yeah. Know? Oh, that was terrible. So <laughs> we tried to do, we tried to do like a fun, creative way to introduce the team. Yep. And we made a video of all the team members, like as it would, the, the pretense was like, we were all trying out to get onto the Discipleship Week team. 
a la America's Got Talent. Yeah. So they all had to share their talent. And it was just, it did not work. No. It was terrible. <laughs> yep. And that was my, and then like right after that, you were like, so there's a bear sighting last night. Yeah. So just like <laughs> women as you're walking to your dorm, which is very far away in comparison yeah. to the other buildings. Right, right. Be careful. Yep. And don't feed them. Yes. <laughs> there was a reason why. But there's always a reason. Whenever you hear an announcement or a weird rule, there's mm-hmm. a reason because someone did whatever they're telling you not to do. Yes. So I had to make an announcement. Please do not, do not feed, feed bear. baby bears mm-hmm. because mama bear is not going to be happy. <laughs> and there is a specific mama bear yes. very close that we are thinking of. Yep. Yes. Um. All right. Bears. What's your favorite book of the Bible? Ooh. <laughs> very big switch there. Old or New Testament? <laughs> Either. Oh, man. Um. I was just reading, I was really into First and Second Samuel. I was reading the story of David recently. Mm. So right now, that's my favorite OT Bible. Um, New Testament, I guess you'd have to go with a gospel, right? So I'd probably say John. John's okay. my favorite gospel. Um, I really like the letter of St. James. Mm. All good ones. Yeah. Yeah. Can't really go wrong. No. Yeah. <laughs> not really. Um, what's your favorite book in general? Not mm. the Bible. Hmm. Man, these are very good quick questions. I don't have quick answers to them. <laughs> My favorite book in general. Well, I'll, I'll preface this by saying I'm not much of a reader. So I don't have, I'm not well read outside of the Catholic world. So most of what yeah. I've read is for like studying theology because I mm-hmm. had a test on it or something. Um, probably Pope Benedict's Jesus of Nazareth series. Mm-hmm. Um, either that or Peter Kreef's Jesus Shock, mm. which. That is an amazing little quick short read. Yeah. Yeah. yeah both good. Yeah. I, I've been wanting to take a class with him at some point. Oh, yeah. During my time at BC. Get it done. Yep. Um, possibly you might have a biased answer, but what's your favorite musician or band? Oh, man. These are so hard. Any category? <laughs> Any category. All right. I'm going to go out on, uh, on a limb here and say this guy that I just discovered. I don't know if I could say he's my favorite, but he's my favorite right now. Okay. Um, he's a modern composer from Estonia. His name is Arvo Pert, and oh. he's amazing. He's like Orthodox Christian, and he he kind of like came to the fore in the late '60s, early '70s, and was part of like an avant-garde musical movement then, and kind of was good and was really like recognized and stuff, but en- ended up finding it kind of hollow and started delving into. Um, into his faith on a personal level, but then on a professional level in his music, he started studying like sacred music more and chants and plain chant and things like that, Eastern and Western. And he developed his own compositional style, which is really cool. It's it's tintinabuli is, is the way you say it. And it's this like very kind of peaceful, meditative um, compositional style. It's simple and um, it's just... I'm fascinated by it. So that's why I I offer that one. But I grew up on metal and hardcore, so I love metal bands. I love a bunch Mm -hmm. of local hardcore bands. Um, I listen to anything. I love whatever. Yeah. All very different. (laughs) Yes. But all very good. Um, What's your favorite place that you've ever traveled? Hmm. Jerusalem. Mm, Yeah. I would second that one. (laughs) I'm studying abroad there in the fall. Oh, awesome. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I can't wait. Yeah, my wife and I, our our honeymoon was a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. It was like a guided thing that was, yeah, there's no place in the world like that. Mm -hmm. Um, I studied abroad in Rome, and we visited a lot of Europe on little weekend trips and things like that. But um, So, yeah, I've been to some cool places there, but probably Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Maybe just on like a a non super nerdy Catholic level, <laughs> one of my favorite places to go was um, uh, what is it? Bruges in uh, in Belgium. Mm. Bruges is just this like beautiful little city, and I remember there's like a river that runs through mm-hmm. it, and I just remember like the parks were awesome, and I was like, this would be like the ideal place to retire and they talk really cool like Flemish Flemish sounds really cool you can't understand a word of it (laughs) but that's kind of nice too like you can just like take it all in and you have no idea what they're talking (laughs) about but it's just like an ideal setting yeah Mm -hmm. Bruges very cool um what is your favorite part of being a dad Ooh, man only big questions around here (laughs) um my favorite part of being a dad well, my kids are all still really young, so probably the fact that they're still so excited just that my presence mm-hmm. is a favorite on a selfish level. That's one of my favorite things yeah. when I come home from work and they're like, Daddy, and they come over and just whatever, we end up fighting. But <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe that. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite part of your job? My favorite part of my job, I like... Um, like I said, I serve a lot of people in parishes, so I just like to see how many awesome people there are Mm -hmm. out there working in the vineyard and how many people are just like striving to bring people closer to Christ. And you kind of, from when I worked in a parish level, you can feel a little bit isolated in that. And it's like you and hopefully your boss and maybe your pastor. Um, but usually you don't get a sense for how many other people are out there working and, um, Maybe like when you go to a conference or something like that, you get that sense and you're kind of like rejuvenated Mm -hmm. and whatever. And that's good. And I had that experience too, but I get to do that like on a regular basis. Mm. It's kind of cool to see. That is cool. I like that. Taking that into account for a future job. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Um, If you could meet any Pope, who would it be? Peter. Mm. Solid answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Yep. Number one. Yeah. Um, if you could be best friends with any one saint, who would it be? This is a tricky one. Mm. Best friends with any one saint. So now that means <laughs> I'm just trying to think because I have to actually think that I could get along with this person enough uh, to be yes. friends with them, not just be able to ask them a million questions yeah, whenever I yeah. want, right? So it has to be like a mutual, like right, they're not annoyed right. by you either. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm. Best friends. So I'm going to go with, I'm going to limit that to guy saints then. Okay. So let's, I'm trying to just narrow the, the focus mm-hmm. down here. So guy saints, best friends. Um, hmm. I think some of the people that I want to say, I think would be too intense. Like St. Francis. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to be best yeah. friends with St. Yeah. Francis. I don't know what he would ask me to do. <laughs> Right. So maybe St. Dominic. Uh, I think St. Thomas would be too intense for me. He yeah. wouldn't be a real friendship. It would just be him teaching me things all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I feel like the same for St. Augustine. I don't know. Who's like a. Well, can I do Pier Giorgio Frasati? Yes. He's not a saint yet, but, but I'd like, I put that. Yeah. I put him in there. He's probably like, going to be a saint. Yeah. <laughs> so. Especially on this podcast, like to the heights. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's you're, right. You're yeah. Allowed. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, Georgie. I, I will make that exception. Nice. Um, all right. That's all I have for quick questions and all I have for you. It has been so good to talk and just chat and like kind of get the other, the flip side of yeah, things. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Is there anything else? So keeping in mind that our audience is like college kids and young adults, is there anything else that you want to leave them with? 
hmm. tips for youth ministry, advice for their own prayer lives, discerning, whatever, whatever you got. Yeah. Um, maybe tips for your own prayer life. You can't read enough scripture. Like yeah. for me, uh, I mentioned in the beginning to, so much of, of my um, anxiety and, and holding off from kind of going all in with Jesus was really being unsure if there actually was someone on the other end. Cause like what's, what I now know is called the problem of divine hiddenness, right? Like um, how come God just doesn't talk more clearly to me and mm. just answer my questions straight up. Um, but for me, scripture is really important because that's the word of God. And you know, like you don't have to ask yourself, is that just my imagination? Is that my internal monologue? Like yeah. you don't you don't have to worry about that. That's the word of God. Like mm -hmm. he's speaking to you in some way through that. You know, that doesn't it's not always you kind of have to discern what he's asking you to do in your particular life through that word. But at least, you know, that's his words. Right. So can't pray enough with scripture. Um, I leave it yeah. with that. Yeah, that's pretty solid mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. It's been so good to have you on. Thank you so much for talking with us. Thanks, Olivia. You too. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the To The Heights podcast with Mike Drehos. A huge thank you to Mike for coming up after he was on This Is The Day, um, which is he's on our live show This Is The Day every year to kind of promo Discipleship Week. Um, and you can find all of those on YouTube if you want to hear a little bit more and see him talking with Bishop and Jay and Kevin um, all about Discipleship Week from kind of like a promotion angle. But here's a little inside scoop of what it's all about and what goes into it. So thank you so much, Mike, for for everything, <laughs> for Discipleship Week, for the impact that it's had on my life. Um, this is not a big enough thank you for that. Thank you for coming and chatting with me. Um, I had a great time and I hope that you did as well. Um, all right. So podcast things. Uh, we are picking up again every Monday. I took a little break around midterms time at school because I am a college student. Um, but we are back to every Monday for this foreseeable future. Um, we have some great guests in store that I am just really excited about. Some really good friends and some good mentors who I just I can't wait for you to hear me talk to them and get to know them a little bit better, um, which is really one of the special parts of this podcast that I get to talk to people who I have looked up to and who have been role models to me and who I admire um, and get to know them on a personal um, level a little bit more and hear more about their stories um, and get to know them and their lives and learn from that as well. Not just like the joy that they exude, but their actual like content of their stories as well um, and get to sit down and have these amazing conversations. So Amazing opportunities all around. But if you want to hear more of the To The Heights podcast, you can find us on pretty much anywhere that you listen to podcasts, including iTunes, Spotify, or grexley.com. Um, if you want to support this podcast or any of the other podcasts in the Grex Grexley podcast network, um, we are patreon.com slash grexley. Um, and we have, we are populating that with all sorts of cool stuff. If you want to see some behind the scenes videos, um, I know that this month I'm uploading some artwork, a lock screen that is all up there. There are text posts from all of us with like an update um, of what we do every month. Um, all sorts of cool things. We also have a red bubble shop with all of different merch, which is crazy. Like I'm just a sophomore in college. Why do I have merch? That's so cool. Um, but that is all up there. All right. Enough promos with that. Um, if you have any guests that you would like to recommend to be on the podcast, there is a contact form um, on it's grexley.com slash two dash the dash heights. Um, there's a contact form on there. 
Or you can always reach us with questions, comments, whatever, at to the heights um, podcast at gmail.com or at to the heights CTV on all social media to follow along for some behind the scenes um, and just what's going on with the podcast. All right. I think that is all I have for now. Um, you can find me on social media at Olivia Rose underscore art or Olivia Rose um, And I will talk to you guys next week. Keep on reaching to the heights. Mm-hmm.